We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yo, what up, my people? It is Kevin Jones, Striking Gold Podcast. 49ers beat the Rams 34-31. Fantastic game. Down to the wire. Robbie Gold boots it through. Jimmy G, Emmanuel Sanders, the whole nine. Really, really fun game. We are going to recap it with a friend of the podcast, Mike from Brooklyn. He's been a listener for many, many years. And I thought it was time to add a second voice uh, to these recaps. Um, Seahawks just lost as well. Week 17 showdown. We talk it all. Hope you enjoy this Christmas episode of the Striking Gold podcast. It's Striking Gold listeners, we have a special Christmas episode. I'm joined by one of our huge listeners. I've been mentioning his name. Mike from Brooklyn is on the line. Wanted to introduce him to the conversation. I like his takes. I think we're going to have a fascinating 49ers combo. The team just beat the Rams 34-31. You know, big week 16 win. Mike, you're on the line. What's going on, brother? Hey, happy holidays, Kev, and uh, most importantly, congratulations on just the incredible momentum and uh, trajectory behind Blue Wire. I mean, I remember riffing on uh, the idea with you a couple of years back, and, and to see uh, 
what you've grown it into has just been truly amazing and super proud of you and, and uh, happy for you and the team. Oh, Mike, come on. We'll we'll touch on Blue Wire in the end. Uh, you know, I'm being bashful right now. I appreciate it. We'll have some big news to announce for sure. But, um, yeah, no, let's talk Niners. You've been a fan of the team for, like, 30 years. You've given me some history lessons on the Montana and the Walsh days. Kyle Shanahan is here now. Really a heavy-hearted win after C.J. Beathard's brother tragically passing away in a, in a stabbing outside of Nashville. The team didn't play that well the, the whole game. And then Jimmy G pulls off two big third down and 16s. I mean, it just really when they're backed up against a, a corner, I mean, he's sacked five times in the second half. They should not have won that football game. It's a little concerning with how they're not playing football that well right now, right headed into the playoffs. I think there's um, some alarm bells that we'll get into. So just really an emotional roller coaster. You got to give them credit, though. At the end of the day, they pulled off the win. Robbie Gold field goal last second. Um, your immediate takeaways to beating the Rams and improving to 12-3 and three on the year. Yeah, thanks, Kev. Uh, definitely mixed emotions. And I think Willie McGinnis said it best, the post-game show on NFL Network, that uh, he would take a, a bad win over a good loss, you know, 10 out of 10 times. And I think that's kind of what we saw last night. But uh, the one thing I can say is that this team's resilience and this team's ability to kind of rally in some of these very clutch moments has even made uh, kind of an old cynic like me idealistic uh, and, and just really kind of cheering for this team. And we can probably get into it a little bit later in the pod, but I think there's just a unique chemistry in this locker room. I think that term gets overused uh, in sports and in, in business generally a lot. But there is something unbelievably special about the bond between this team. Um, and you can even see it. You can kind of read it in some of the transcripts. I was just reading uh, Jimmy G's transcript last night. Had kind of every opportunity to complain about some of the offensive line play, taking six sacks, really taking a beating last night. Um, instead, chose to talk about how he held the ball too long, uh, really kind of had the interior offensive lines back, which was impressive. And then Sherm got up on the podium in addition to talking about, um, you know, his feelings on the Beathard family and, and the unbelievable tra tragedy they're going through, uh, talked about how, yeah, sometimes it's not always going to be pretty, but, but uh, you know, a win is a win, whether it's by three points or whether it's by 40 points. Uh, and so I think you just the things you're kind of hearing about this locker room, you see it in some of the, the, the post-game uh, video footage that the public is allowed to see. Uh, it seems special. And I think a lot of the testimonials from the players – uh, you know, they've it, said things like, this feels different. This is different from any, any team I've ever been on. I mean, I think that, that's when you know that, that somehow Kyle and John have kind of bottled lightning, so to speak. And uh, it's really special and it's been fun to watch. It's everything. It's the coaching. It's, to me, the big plays. Fred Warner, pick six, really turning the tide of the momentum back to San Francisco when he did that. Emmanuel Sanders, a guy they trade for in the middle of the season, is he going to come in and do well? Is he not? He's been amazing. He's come up huge in the Saints game now, huge in the Rams game. Obviously, there was a blown coverage by the Rams late in the game there. Jalen Ramsey and the safety not on the same page, but the 49ers exploit it. They make big plays every week. They they punch back. They often go down first now, and they've been able to kind of fight back. I do want to talk about um, – the Rams knew what they were doing. Jared Goff, you know, besides that pick six, he kind of had his way through over 300 yards. There's some soft spots in this defense right now. 
we're coming off what half an hour ago the Seahawks just lost to the Cardinals so the you know the stakes and the circumstances right now for week 17 are getting crazy I think both teams are not playing their best football headed into this showdown that's been flexed into Sunday night football um Akilah Witherspoon has been tough right now he played that whole game he got burned a little bit Cooper Cup had a nice touchdown uh, you know Robert Woods was making some plays Emmanuel Mosley didn't play much there's going to be some tough decisions to make here on defense. I, I don't even think it's a decision to make. Emmanuel Mosley needs to be in over Witherspoon next week. Um, the, the D-line's beat up right now. Quan Alexander, it's it's obvious they're missing him in coverage. This defense isn't what it was in the middle of the season. I still think they're pretty dang good. They, they can be resilient just like the offense. I'm worried about Witherspoon. This is a big decision. What do you – who makes this decision? Is this Kyle? Is this Salah? I don't know who's making it, but I would be playing Mosley over Witherspoon next week. Yeah, you know, it's hard to it's hard to kind of understand the thought process behind you know essentially benching Mosley or or at least you know putting him in the slot, uh, having him have fewer reps than 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 Witherspoon, who clearly has struggled. And it's interesting after uh, you know a really kind of hot start at the beginning of this year where, you know, people were even pumping him up as kind of a potential pro bowler opposite Sherman. Now all the weaknesses we saw, even kind of dating back to his training camp as a, as a rookie third-rounder in Colorado, you know, people said he was soft, he was afraid to tackle. I think we saw a little of that last night in addition to the blown coverages. I think I think what's interesting is is that, uh, you know, and, and you know me, Kev, I, I, I tend to call out some of the, the positional deficiencies uh, you know, either by position group or by individual throughout even games. But I think, you know, in this instance, you know, maybe Kyle's earned the benefit of the doubt. I, I think that they've taken this whole concept of next man up uh, to a level that, you know, I've never seen uh, within within a 49er team. And, you know, I've been following this organization for, for four decades now. It's really been remarkable to watch. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's tough to see. I mean, I, I, the only thing that, that uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, in this scheme, in this kind of Seattle scheme, you want size at corners, and so I feel like at some point, you know, you know, Sala just just loves to kind of go back to spoon because of the matchups, and I think we're going to see another one of those next Sunday night uh, with you know with DJ Metcalf, excuse me, DK Metcalf, and some of the other receivers that Russell has to throw to. He's going to want size out there uh, on an island against those uh, against that passing game. So you know, we'll see. I, I, again, I think I think Mosley really one of kind of the remarkable stories. And I think that's when we get to some of the big picture conversation, it's been incredible how much Lynch and Peters and others have nailed some of these late rounders and undrafted uh, gems, uh, mostly being, certainly being, being one of those. Um, I think, yeah, I think the, the positions that continue to give me concern, and, and I feel like this is a conversation you and I have been having again for, for a couple of years now, of interior offensive line, uh, and, and again, of course, you know nobody could have predicted the, the rich the, the, the Richburg injury, which of course is really really causing problems for offensive flow. Uh, but I think that's traditionally, and, and you know Kyle better than anyone out there. Uh, traditionally, interior offensive line has been a position that Kyle has somewhat devalued, uh, somewhat felt that he could scheme around. I know he had a great one in Alex Mack, of course, in Cleveland, uh, but elsewhere it kind of feels like he can get around with journeymen uh, because of his scheme. But I think, you know, just given the, the unbelievable impact that some of these interior defenders have made, and we're going to see another great one in Reed uh, next, next weekend in Seattle, I think it's really hard uh, to get away 
uh, with kind of second-tier talent uh, at the center and, and guard positions. That's something that really gives me cause for concern, that kind of pressure up the middle uh, against Jimmy. And then I think you pointed out, you know, defensive line. You know, here we were sitting uh, sitting around a few weeks ago talking about kind of all-time depth uh, with the 49ers defensive line. It went from being the ultimate weakness to the ultimate strength. And I think we've seen with the injuries, uh, and, and especially the ones, of course, to, to D Ford, uh, who will absolutely need to make any kind of postseason run, but you're seeing just extraordinary snap counts now for Armstead and Defoe and Bosa, you know, far more than they've ever had to play. And, and that's showing up on the stat sheet. I think that, uh, you know, analytics would say that they're getting, they're still getting a lot of pressure, but stack numbers are not there. You know, zero last night, I think uh, two against Atlanta. Uh, and again, that that's coming off uh, some of the historic numbers that they were putting up in, in weeks prior. So those are the positions I think you've nailed it, kind of defensive line and uh, interior offensive line. Yeah, the flow is not there offensively. You're pointing that out correctly about the O-line. The first three quarters of the game were not pretty. Some of it was errant throws, but a lot of it was just like the run game, it's not there. Even though 23 carries, 119 yards, it statistically looks fine. Debo helped that really nice end-around touchdown he had. Um, There were a couple big runs. But it's crazy, yeah. Like the the O line and the run game does not feel where it once was, and same with the D line on defense. And so the team doesn't feel like it's in the same exact rhythm. It's impossible to sustain kicking the Panthers' ass. You know, fifty five ten. You can't do that every week. But um, yeah, it was it was mysterious to see you know Brita again as a healthy, uh, effectively a healthy scratch last night. I mean, it has to must have something to do with the fumble against Atlanta. Yeah, definitely. Maybe he's getting a, maybe he's getting a little of that Dante Pettis treatment from from Kyle there. Yeah. Uh, clearly, Mostert is kind of you know turning into the one A, um, given his speed and, and given the way that he runs in this in this Kyle scheme. Uh, but yeah, it'll be something to watch. But again, I think I think that balance that they had, you know, the first you know call it one third of this season uh, was really really you know resulting in just kind of the explosive plays and of course it just. It just makes the play action all that more uh, impactful and effective. Uh, so we got to get get back to that. Oh. I mean, it's tough to it's tough to see this team Wait, going no, far no. if they're one dimensional. Go back and watch the highlight on YouTube and watch the Rams offense. That's what the 49ers offense looked like in the middle of the year. The play action, the peeling off. The Rams played well offensively and they were executing, especially early on in the game. Um, the 49ers are not there right now. The play action is not working as well as it, it once did. But, God, give them credit. When they really needed a big play, Kittle made it. Kendrick Bourne on that third down and 16, when he maneuvered his body to kind of slither and fall backwards, he's become a very good receiver for this team. He's clearly the third best on the team. Um, and again, I, I mentioned Sanders. They, they really have that clutch gene right now. It's crazy. Well, like, I think I, and I think what you're pointing out, uh, Kev, is the fact that that this roster and this is much to, to John's credit and to, and to Kyle's credit um, has a lot of playmakers, has a lot of closers, and I think that that's one thing that that I've learned in, in watching football for a long time is you know the difference between seven and nine and you know potentially twelve and four, thirteen and three is is closers. You know who can make these these big plays uh, that that really kind of represent the difference between victory and a really really heartbreaking defeat. And I think we have that. We have that on defense now, certainly with Bosa, who's been who's lived up to every ounce of the, the kind of the pre-draft hype. Uh, we have that. It was a, I think it was a great trade for Sanders, especially kind of given his fit you know, in this system, uh, that Super Bowl pedigree that he has. 
Kittle turning into, if not the best tight end in football, then certainly the second best after after Kels. So uh, I, I think that that's really the difference between this team uh, and teams in, in in the first two years of the Shanahan era, and, and clearly why you know certainly for me you know I remember having a conversation with you in, in training camp that I thought you know nine and seven was the ceiling for this team. Clearly I was wrong, and, and thankfully I'm not in the prediction business. Uh, but I, but I think uh, that's really kind of the out of nowhere element. This team uh, from this fan's eyes is kind of the the, the presence uh, of closers, and D Ford certainly was another one of those before he got hurt. Yeah, I think their rapid ascension has to do with what you mentioned earlier too, the culture that Kyle built mixed with the coaching and then mixed with playmakers. Like it, it all became a melting pot together. Um, and something I've been pointing out, they just they would overwhelm opponents like the Browns and the Rams earlier in the year who would quit in the second half. They they kept the gas pedal going most of the year. I think they they burnt out a little bit, and they're still kind of figuring out their way, and the injuries kind of caught up to them. So they're not a shell of what they once were. They're they're still a, a highly functional football team, but there's there's some problems going on. Kyle's got to get under the hood. There's going to have to be some unique um, coaching this week. Let's play out both scenarios, Mike. Let's play out if, if they win against Seattle week 17 and if they lose. And let's start if they win. They go in. They they topple the giant. They've never really beaten Seattle in a big game that's this meaningful. And to do it to get home field advantage um like i i can't simulate in my head how it's going to have to happen i'm assuming it's going to be high scoring it's going to be like you know 35 31 very similar to the rams game they're going to have to make a play at the end there's going to be clock management involved every they've been training for this the whole time the baltimore the new orleans they've played in every big game this is going to be their sixth primetime game of the season absolutely incredible that they've been flexed in this much um but let's just talk about that Let, let's assume they win ride this momentum into you know a bye week and having home field advantage i'm feeling confident that they can beat anyone in the league at home at levi's are you yeah i am confident and i was going to say back to your point about uh, the intensity of this seattle rivalry and the fact that uh, i think we, we haven't won there since 2011 we certainly haven't won a, a meaningful game uh, there in, in in a long time, and it kind of reminds me. And you mentioned a little bit of that 49er history in your intro uh, of that of that monkey on the back that that Steve Young had to remove, right? He had to beat the Cowboys, right? They 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 had beaten him, they beaten the 49ers, sorry, in the consecutive NFC Championship games. You know, it really really kind of you know put a put a wrinkle in in that dynasty or that or what should have been a dynasty, extended dynasty in the early 90s. And then he finally won, of course, that epic NFC Championship game at Candlestick. It kind of reminds me of that, right? It, because I firmly believe that that the 2013 team, you know, where you had, you know, Justin Smith in his prime, and you had Bowman in his prime, and you had Willis in his prime. I think that Harbaugh team actually was better than the Seahawks. Seahawks, but they just couldn't get it done. We don't need to rehash the details. Of course, the the infamous end uh, in the end zone with Sherm. Uh, but I, I think yeah. uh, the same thing this year. I mean, I think this is this this 49er team is better than the Seahawks, um, and I think they they came you know close, uh, you know, kind of a, a missed field goal by a backup kicker away from beating them at home without Kittle, uh, with Sanders very banged up. I think he had limited snaps that game, and frankly, with Jimmy G playing one of his poorest games of the season. You know, all that said, you know, they're 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 a field goal away from 
winning. Uh, you know, again, better clock management, one could argue. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole with you. <laughs> could argue they could have played for the tie and they'd be in the catbird seat. They'd be resting starters now and getting ready for, for that. Oh, first man. Well, so, hey, no, wait. Listen yeah. to this. If they beat Atlanta last week, they, they would be – they would have clinched a bye, essentially. They'd be up two games. On, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean – it stinks. Yeah, they're, they're, it's hard to be perfect. You really can't blame them. But. It is. It is, and it's hard to kind of do the reverse hypotheticals. I mean, who knows maybe maybe Seattle yeah. would have played harder harder tonight uh, if, if that game had had a little bit more meaning. Although right, it does have potential impact on seeding. So, so regardless, I mean, I think through the lens of kind of controlling your own destiny, uh, you know, my larger point is they almost beat Seattle at home with a very very banged up. A crew and, and Jimmy G having one of his worst games of the season. Um, now they go into Seattle again. A lot of baggage there, a lot of history, a lot of ghosts. Listen, that was a previous regime baggage, right? I mean, that was a lot of, of kind of Trent Bulky and a lot of Harbaugh baggage. Kaepernick, Alex Smith goes on and on. So this is a whole new cast of characters. Um, and of course, ironically enough, one of the the villains is on our side now with with Sherm. Um, so I think. You know, again, I go back to those transcripts that I mentioned up front, and this just feels like a different team. It feels like they're going to go in very confident. It feels like, again, they're going to rise to some of the big moments. And those big moments occur really early in a primetime game in Seattle because of that crowd. Uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm somewhat confident. You know, I'm somewhat confident about this team's ability because they're better, frankly, because they're better. I think uh, a couple of things to look for, and, and again, having – watched these rivalry games for, for 40 years, whether it was 49ers Giants, 49ers Cowboys, 49ers Packers, 49ers Seattle, I think sometimes it's the role players, right? So, so can, can Ross Dwelly come up with a huge play in the fourth quarter? Uh, you know, can you Good get yesterday. one of those? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Can, 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 he, can he do something like that? Can one of these rookie linebackers, you know, one taken in the fifth round and afterthought, the other an undrafted free agent, can they come up big like they did against Russell in that in that game in Santa Clara, right? So I think it's you know I think the focus will of course be on Jimmy G and on Kittle and Bosa and Sherm's return, kind of the big names. But again, in a close game and a rivalry game, it's gonna who's gonna step up that we're not even thinking about? Um, it could be you know it could be the rookie punter, right? It could be you know be, he had a great one uh, last night actually in golf, I think inside the ten in a, in a really key moment. Uh, that helped turn the tide there. So it could be somebody on special teams. Um, it could be your boy, oh, Richie James, oh, it right? It to be everyone, so, and it has been. Yeah. Like, you know, Dre Greenlaw had that pick the last time they played against Seattle. So exactly, right. Marcel right. Harris right. should have had one last night, too. He, I mean, he's he's up and down, but he's out there. Looks like Tart is, like, could be questionable, possibly doubtful. D Ford is not going to play. Quan Alexander is not going to play. There's people really hoping here, um, there, that, uh, Mike Person is on the injury list now. This is going to be shicey. But, again, the Seahawks are coming off a loss here, 27-13. They kind of crapped the bet at home. It It's going to impact things a little bit in seeding. But, again, it's going to come down to winning or losing this game. Let's play the other yeah, scenario. Yeah, and I think, yeah, Mike, I think no, again. No, no, no. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, the other scenario is the 49ers lose this game. And it's not going to be surprising. They haven't played their best football if they go in there and lose 31-21. Jimmy G, his two interceptions, they can't overcome those now on the road at Seattle. Um, and then this team has to start at Philly in the first round of the playoffs. Or, um, you know, Mayoko's tweeting, they could finish with the sixth seed if Minnesota has the same record. So, I mean, it, 
they, they might be at Green Bay. Now, even a possibility for the 49ers in the first round. Things are hectic and crazy at the top of the NFC. I think they have the fan base has to prepare themselves and, you know, not for major disappointment. The playoffs could start in the road uh, at Philly. I would feel confident winning that football game. But, again, um, they would have to play well. Like, there's no joking around now. You can't really be, you know – Matt Breida's not getting snaps because they, they might lose football games with fumbles. So um, I it's such a coin flip. I, I think, obviously, the season changes. If they start on the road, it's going to be almost impossible to me to get to the Super Bowl in Jimmy G's first ever season. You know, the window is open for them to win a title right now. This game at Seattle is so important. They You know, it's, it's going to set them up for a chance to, to get a trophy. It's so hard to get a trophy. Look at the Rams the year afterwards. Um so I can't reiterate how big this game is, but you know I'm not going to be surprised. Obviously, if they have to start in Philly in the wild card round. So I think you said up front that they can beat anybody, and I and I, and I agree with that. Um, I also think they can lose to just about anybody left in in the field, and and that includes teams that I think a lot of the fan base kind of take for granted, like Green Bay, or or or, or like the Vikings, or even the Eagles. You know, who are a little beat up, but again, have some of that champions championship pedigree um, under under Doug Peterson. So, yeah, I just don't think, uh, and again, you can, you can uh, you know, attribute this to, to some of the injuries or some kind of the, the momentum that they had early that seems to have dissipated a little bit. Uh, but this is not the team, uh, again, that, that pounded Carolina, that pounded Cleveland, that pounded even, you know, even Green Bay a few weeks ago uh, for whatever reason they're not. And so, you know, their margin for error isn't nearly as wide as it used to be. Uh, so yeah, I think I think absolutely we we need to really understand what the stakes are next Sunday night. And I, I noticed they just flexed that to prime time, uh, and so this is this is a big one. This is a very very the, the stakes don't get much bigger for for week seventeen <laughs> regular season games in well, terms of kind of what. But let's say they they do that and they do lose to Philly, and we all have a bitter taste in our mouths. But at least they showed us this year like flashes of who they can be. They're going to have to stay healthy and repeat it next year. But um, I think this fan base is going to be clamoring. You've got to at least beat Philly, at least get to the second round. However, they do start at home, um, and you know it's uh, I don't know if it's going to be Green Bay or whoever coming here again. They're going to feel very confident playing at Levi's. I don't think it's become this major home field advantage, but um, this team can win on the road too. They they proved it at New Orleans. So um, it it really is going to. It's crazy. We have no idea what's about to happen. They're about to get thrown into the washing machine. We'll see how they respond. I think the one advantage they do have is Kyle. He's proved it pretty much the whole year that they can pull something out of their ass and win games at the very end. Um, they've, they've yeah. Been, I think I think there's a couple things that you said that that that, that struck me as as worthy of further conversation. One is this concept of a window, right? And, and I think this is one of the things I always talk, talk to you about. That this is a different era. This, this isn't a, you know, a fantastic Belichick team. So you could argue this is truly up for grabs. I mean, this is the year to kind of steal a title, if you will. So on the one hand, you know, kind of managing expectations, and you're talking to somebody who thought the team would be 8-8 eight eight this year. So they've already far surpassed my expectations as a super fan of this organization. Right, a year ahead, if not two years ahead, uh, of kind of the, the the progress I thought that they were making. Uh, so you know, going on the road, you know, losing maybe a close game to a team like Philadelphia, yeah, I'd be bummed, and of course I'd be 
filling up your uh, your text messages with with criticisms of, of players and and play calls and and all all that stuff. But but I think you know that that would mean we would we would finish twelve and five. And, and I think you know for most people you, you'd have to look with with a dose of perspective and say, hey, we're making. We clearly have the right coach. You know, we it looks like we have the right front office, and we most likely have the right quarterback. So that's the trifecta, right? And so if you have all those things, you're confident of those things, you can kind of say, hey, it could have been even a better year, but maybe the glory years or another glory era is upon us, and that would be really exciting to think about. On the other hand, my opening comment, it's wide open this year. You know, why not us? And I think there's this possibility of a team being crowned Super Bowl champions and us just sitting home being like, oh, my God, we beat them. Or, oh, my God, we could have beat them. Or we should have beat them. Or we lost to the last second field goal. Or we dropped a pick in, in overtime or whatever, whatever the case may be. It could be one of those teams. And that will be frustrating and that will be hard. But, you know, that's sports. Yeah, and the roster is going to change, too, a little bit every season. Like, the core is intact. They're going to – they have big extensions coming for DeForest Buckner. I'm hearing that Eric Armstead, it's it's obvious. He could be a franchise tag player. They're not going to want to give him a huge contract. They're going to want to see it again. He did get it snubbed on the Pro Bowl. I think Schefter is already talking about Kittle's big extension that's coming. That could be $100 million. It's going to be somewhat close to that. We'll have to see with the guarantees. We also have a player's strike possibly coming in 2021 as well, too. So – I don't know if there will be rule changes or, you know, are there going to be 15-game schedule? Could they actually, you know, have less games with an uh, extra round in the playoffs? Changes are coming. Uh, I think the 49ers mostly have their core intact. Um, they'll have a late first-round pick. I'm going to be pretty certain that's going to be on O-line, if I had to guess right now what position. Um, you know, I don't think corner – I, I just will have to see how everything shakes out. I don't think wide receiver either. I think Kyle likes to acquire wide receivers now, like Emmanuel Sanders. He wants to know. He doesn't want to draft another bus. We love Debo, but, you know, Dante's could be another draft pick they've wasted. Um, again, they don't have a pick, too. Joe Staley might be, uh, this is, you know, possibly his last year starting at left tackle. He might be on, you know, as a backup tackle next year. I would actually love that, keep him as depth. Um, and and try and find maybe an upgrade at left tackle. So, you know, mostly you have Jimmy. You're going to have mostly everyone back, George Kittle. Um, you know, Quan Alexander, you're going to hope he gets healthy. So I think that's the encouraging part. The core is intact. Um, will they keep Robert Sala? That will be like another big storyline to keep your eye on in January. Yeah, for sure, right? I mean, I think, I think the, the price of success is, is you're going to have members of this coaching staff uh, plucked away. Uh, you're probably going to have some big money thrown at some of the free agents. There's going to be some tough decisions to make. But I think one, and, and I forget where I read it, it's interesting to speculate on whether whether D Ford could become a, a cap casualty, which would be, of course, incredibly brutal given that they gave up a two to KC Forum and would effectively only have gotten half a season out of them. We'll see, knock on wood, about the playoffs. Uh, but in order to make room for both Armstead and uh, Defoe, whether you would sacrifice uh, a D Ford in that in, in that uh, particular scenario, so interesting to think about, and you know that's kind of the that's what makes you know pro football to me so much more interesting than the other major sports is the salary cap gymnastics are real, I mean there are trade offs to every single one of these moves, but I but I, I you know again coming off some of the the horrendous football that we've seen in the past five six seven years, 
just to be having these conversations is a fun thing, Greg, because it means that we're getting the talent thing right. Oh, definitely. You know, and I was, you know, pretty sure if this team went four and twelve this year, someone was on the chopping block. Not Kyle, but possibly John Lane uh-huh. Persala. So I mean, all those conversations are over. It's about you know, can they keep winning the NFC West titles? How long is this window going to be open? Um, they have the head coach, right, though, which is the most encouraging part. The quarterback, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, now has four fourth-quarter comebacks. If they're down seven with a minute left in, in Seattle, like I feel a little bit confident that he can make things happen. He's reached a level this season, not where he's a superstar, but where I'm comfortable saying with a really good defense, they can go all the way with him. So, I mean, they checked every box this year. It's been fantastic. A long time coming. We've been, as you said, talking about crappy football for too long. Um, yeah, we'll we'll have to see with O line, man. I think that's that's the major piece right now that is changing everything offensively, where they're not dictating the game as much. They're still getting points on the scoreboard. Fred Warner helped a lot. Um, um, if if I had to predict if this team's downfall, if, you know, if they're kicked out of the tournament, I'm going to say it was O-line. I'm going to say it was Jimmy G was harassed one game. I'm going to say he threw a couple interceptions. They just couldn't overcome it. Yeah, and I think related to that, you mentioned earlier in the pod, I think the, the, the inability to find that balance on offense. I think, uh, you know, if, if you're leaving Jimmy G in these consistent third and sevens, third and eights, and I, you know, I know you had two of the third and 16s on that last drive last night, but but, you know, third and long basically is going to be tough because that's where he kind of really zeroes in on Kittle. And, and good defenses are going to take that away. They're going to force some mistakes. Uh, so we'll just have to see how it plays out. But, yeah, I think, I think getting back to, to that balance, uh, making play action extraordinarily effective, taking those shots down the field to Debo and Sanders and Kittle, they can get back to that again. Uh, this team has proven that it can produce explosive plays when it matters. I think we just got to just do that more consistently, and that starts up front. Oh, wow. And now you're talking about Seattle. Chris Carson out for the season with a hip. Dwayne Brown is going to be out for Week 17. Um, you're talking about a Seahawks team that's really banged up coming into this game too, so it's not just the 49ers right now. Um, wow. <laughs> Yeah, news coming down live on the Striking Gold podcast here. I think, oh, man, um, it's it's tough, man. You, you hate that the season comes down to one game like this, but it, it really is going to change the tone for the whole offseason for everything. <laughs> like I don't want to say I don't want to say I don't want to say this is setting up for the Rams hangover effect. I don't want to be that negative yet, but I could see a loss week 17 to Seattle and then like an early exit just like hurting next next year too. Like one game can impact everything in the NFL as you know, you're talking about the salary cap. That that's why I love it to me. It it can swing the pendulum that much. It it could put the 49ers in a position to bring home a Lombardi trophy or go eight and eight next season. I mean um, Well, you know, we we have you know, Kev, we have the here and now and, and I, I don't think we can ask for, for too much more than than kind of an all the marbles week seventeen against your hated rival that's beat up. Uh and, and again the difference between winning and losing could be the uh the, the difference between a trip to Miami and a first round out. Right. And, and so, again, as we said earlier, the stakes don't get any higher, but uh, that's why they play. To a man, listen to all the press conferences last night. That's, that's what every single one of them said. They, they, they couldn't wait to get up there, felt confident. They liked the pressure. I think it was uh, Yusef said it reminded him of the state championship game in high school, right? That kind of pressure. Um, and that's what it's going to be. A lot, a lot of things at stake uh, next Sunday night. 
Um, yeah, wrapping up here with Mike. I hope everyone's enjoying this episode. He's super sharp. Maybe becomes the cousin Sal to this podcast. We got to get some more perspective on here. Um, yeah, I mean, condolences to CJ Beathard and his family. Just so tragic um, you know, to lose his little brother like that in a, in a stabbing outside of a bar is just horrific. 22 years old. Um, you know, football is so secondary to that. I thought Kyle delivered a really emotional speech. Kudos to the 49ers. They've been, you know, showing you know those to the to the public. Um, you you really do get a sense of this team. You know, they they truly care about each other. Um, and uh, thinking of you, CJ, man, just tough times. So, all right, yeah, we're wrapping up here. Mike, any final thoughts? We got a pivotal Week 17 matchup. You've been giving us knowledge bombs throughout this pod. Any any final thought here? You know, Kev, the one thought occurred to me, uh, and I was, I was thinking about this this morning, like, oh, man, why didn't we play for the tie? Or if we beat Atlanta or if this had happened, you know, we'd be sitting pretty and wouldn't have to deal with this, you know, 17-week uh, game against our hated rivals in this really, really tough venue Sunday night. But then it also dawned on me that the great teams of this era, whether it's NFL, whether it's NBA, whether it's MLB, they win on the road. All those teams have had to win on the road. And that, to me, has always kind of marked the difference between a championship franchise and one that just comes up a little bit short. When I think about those great Cowboys teams. I think about our great 49ers teams. Certainly, New England has not had to play on the road that much, but they've come through on the road. The great Golden State Warriors teams, of course, 15 through 18. You know, these teams won on the road. So at some point, you know, this is what really kind of separates, again, true champions from, from, from almost pretenders. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the challenge, and I'm looking forward to see, you know, how, how this organization, how this coaching staff and these players gear up for it. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, man. This is everything you want. All right, Mike, take care. Have a good Christmas. We will talk to you again soon. Same to you, Kevin. Go Blue Wire. Go 49ers. Later, man. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Mike is a super smart dude. Um, We are going to really start to get to know other members of this San Francisco 49ers Twitter community and get more voices boots on the ground with Biederman and all the reporters. We want to open up this conversation more. So nice little peek into that right there with Mike from Brooklyn. Um, Some knowledge bombs were dropped. I am not high on how the 49ers are playing, but they keep finishing and they have closers. As Mike said, I agree with that point. Kyle and the culture, the pieces are looking sharp. I'm happy with this year. I hope you enjoyed Christmas. Um, untuckit.com promo code bluewire 20% off shout out to our other sponsors harrysrazors.com slash bluewire been a great year Um, big announcements coming in January more investors are coming on the team more full time hires absolutely incredible times right now loving podcasting and this community we built share this podcast with your friend week 17 showdown is coming and we will talk to you again later in the week with Rob and Croc All right, peace.